Every one of us in this room, we've got dreams, things with all our heart we'd really like to do. But I promise you the only way to get there is to make today count. Start and be faithful in the small things. We have a, a course at Charleston Southern, and we're dealing with the ver you know various teams. Okay. And uh, I just love the personal uh, or the fable that you did personally on training camp. Training camp, I see it. Which behind takes you a young guy, a young man, and you know prepares him as he goes through all the various struggles he's going to go through. Yeah. But then you've also written another book on team building that really deals. And I think for me, to me, I was thinking of, man, this is perfect for coaches. This is perfect for those that have a, a an organization or a club or a business you're trying to run. You're able to translate that into how to be, create a winning culture. And you deal with the various C's that are so important. And I know uh, you've written a lot of books and you've been in a lot of locker rooms. And I want to ask you two primary questions. All right. Number one, I've, with my background, you know, I've been privileged to speak to a lot of teams and a lot of corporations, but I've got zero background that would qualify me to be able to do that. So um, people always ask me, what in the world do you say when you go to this group or this group and this group? And what I, I love to say, and I want to bounce it off somebody that I know who will know. I mean, because I love I love the fact that you don't just do things and you go, yeah, it works out pretty good. There's a lot of thought. There's a lot of purpose. There's a lot of focus on what you say, when you say it, and, and the process, the journey. And I and I greatly respect that. But I, I've learned, and I hope it's valid, that if I'm speaking to NASA, who what do I know about people? You know, I mean, you know, I I, I can barely figure out how to get into NASA, much less, you know. But I found that they're fascinated by the leadership abilities or skills or practices of the SEALs or the Rangers or from the Air Force or from a winning uh, sports team. And yet those ball players, they're fascinated by how to be how these people accomplish their goals and overcome all kinds of odds. And what led me to that one day was uh, I met a young guy who was back in Orlando and he had been just been transferred to uh, Central Command in Tampa. And of course, Norman Schwarzkopf, back, you know, Operation Desert Storm, Storm and Norman, that's where he, you know, kind of led. And this young guy was literally over all the special forces, right? Wow in the world. Okay. And so I introduced him. I knew him for years. I introduced him, but I was speaking to the Tampa Bay Bucks in their brand new one buck place facility. And I watched this young guy, this younger man, I should say, was so excited to be around those athletes and was reading the slogans and was taking notes and asking questions. But then I watched those professional ball players they were blown away and in awe and respectful of what all he had accomplished. And then he stood up and he said, Dr. J, I hate to correct you. You said I was over all special forces. I'm not over all special forces, just the Middle East and Asia. 
in South and Central America. I said, well, excuse me that you're not special forces in Sweden and Norway, but uh, trust me, you're overall special forces. So, but that, does that ring true with you that you find that whatever audience you have, they're blown away by half the other audiences that you've been before. And they're just fascinated how transferable. And of course, you take it to a whole new level with one truth. But uh, when we're talking about team building, is that something that you would that you find as consistent as I do? I see that all the time. You'll see athletes who want to be actors and entertainers, and the actors and entertainers love getting together with the athletes and learning from them. And then you'll get different coaches together from different sports, which is what happened with me last night and Eric Spolstra, Chip Kelly, and Sean McVay. They were learning from each other. One was talking about football, other guys talking about basketball, but they were seeing the differences, but also the key similarities and the ideas of what they could do with their teams. Eric Spolstra goes and visits Chip Kelly and watches his football operations and how he runs practices, gets a few ideas, brings it back to his team. So yes, we're always intrigued. A lot of teams bring in special forces, Navy SEALs. They love hearing from those guys. But then those Navy SEAL guys who I know and friends of mine love working with those athletes, as you said. So I have seen that a lot. And it's really cool to watch. And I'm sure you see, as I do, Jay, the principles apply to every organization, every team. It's the same principles. It doesn't matter what profession. It doesn't matter if you're working with a scalpel or a brush or you name it, all the principles apply. And when I wrote training camp, that was my goal to write about the principles of what the best do better than mm. everyone else. I love but, that. But write in a way that would apply to any job or any profession. So my favorite thing is, yes, it's a sports story, but yet I've had so many people in business and different professions read it for their profession and organization. And yeah, same principles apply. John, culture. I know you've written a lot about culture. I know you experience it. Uh, you also can easily discern when it, we're lacking what we need in the culture. But give us just your essence of how important culture is in the classroom or the locker room or the boardroom. I love that you just said essence because culture is the living, breathing essence hmm. of what an organization values, believes, thinks, hmm. says, and does. And culture is not just one thing. It really is everything. And here's the deal. It's not static. It's dynamic. So every day you are creating your culture by what you value, believe, think, say, and do. And everyone in your team is creating your culture. And when you know your values, like what do we truly stand for? This is key for culture. What do we stand for? Every decision you make is easy. So you know your values, then you need to show your values and you need to live and breathe them because every organization today has a mission statement, but only the great ones have people on a mission. So what is our mission as we're living our core values every day and how are we bring in those core values to life? Remember Enron, one of their core values was integrity. How did that go? They were not living and breathing those values. And so it's easy to talk about it. And so few organizations actually live it and breathe it and bring the values to life. But those that do, like they invest in that root, hmm. they get a great supply of fruit. Every organization that focuses on the fruit of the tree wow. and ignores the root, the tree dies. 
I have that circled like three times right here in front of me. So thank you for bringing that up. And that was Enron's problem. They were all about the fruit. Yep. And uh, not much with the root. You know, I had the privilege of doing a project for NASA and I was blown away that they not only wanted the, you know, you think of astronauts and engineers and those kinds, they wanted the people that guarded the fence and the people that did the janitorial and the people that did security within, you know, I was blown away at how NASA really did approach. It does take a team to launch a dream. That, you know. that is that is great. When Jack Del Rio used the energy bus for his team with the Jaguars, the first team I ever spoke to, he bought the energy bus for everyone in the building, all the players, the custodial staff, the food service workers, okay. everybody. He said, I want everyone who interacts with our players to be full of positive energy and life and to give positivity instead of being an energy vampire where you're draining energy. So I could see why NASA would do that and want everyone to be part you know, of your team. Everyone is part of your, your culture, whether you're like it or not. Jay, even the spouses of employees are part of the culture because wow. the spouse is influencing the spouse who works there. Mm -hmm. So I always tell companies and leaders, I also tell this to principals, parents of your students are part of your culture. I tell coaches, the parents of your athletes and their friends are part of your culture. You actually want to actually say things in such a way and give them tools to take back to their family members so that they're now indoctrinating the other people in their lives to make them part of the culture as well. Man, where were you two years ago when I needed that? All right, man, that's power. Of course, we always need it. And that's the one challenge about being a leader. You want to keep leading yourself, but there's so many needs out there. You want to be an effective communicator. I love your phrase on energy vampires. I'd never really seen that before. And that the minute I saw that, I went, oh, my gosh, you know, and I know it's kind of like somebody yelling amen, I guess, in a sermon. But uh, what comes to mind, first of all, to you in all your experiences about energy vampires? Well, it's almost like the pastor gives an incredible sermon and people are influenced. People give their lives to, to Jesus from the sermon. And then afterwards you have a few energy vampires complaining that it was a little too cold in the room, you know, <laughs> or complaining that he spoke a little too loud when he was actually giving a sermon. Like you're always going to have negative people. You're always going to have complainers in the sports world, in schools, in businesses. There'll always be that, that negative person. One person can make a team but one person can break a team. Wow. And so we have to make sure we address the negativity that exists. The biggest mistake that leaders make is they do not address negativity. They don't address it. So it persists, it exists, and eventually will sabotage the team. Nick Nurse, when he was the coach of the Toronto Raptors, he put an elephant on his desk. And it was a reminder, we're going to deal with the elephant in the room. We're going to have the difficult conversations in order to get better as a team. And they did, they had some negativity, they addressed it. And if he didn't do that, that team will not win an NBA championship. That would have, they wouldn't have happened, but because he did it and addressed it, they won it. So I've worked with so many teams now that mm. have addressed it. And in doing so, they wind up having great seasons. When you don't, then it winds up sabotaging your season. At school, you know, you have an energy vampire in your staff, that person will literally affect the morale of the culture of that school. And that affects all of the students, all of the teachers, all the people working there that have a mission, like impact kids' lives. And yet they're not able to do that because negativity is sabotaging it. 
We have to be so convicted that we've got to remove the negativity and transform it because it's going to affect our mission. And our mission is so much more important than allowing one person to sabotage it. And we will, we, we, we care about people. Yes. But if you don't address that energy vampire, that means you don't care about all of the people on your team who are trying to do their best work. You got to show them you care about them. Now, by addressing that energy vampire, you actually do care about them because you're not going to let them settle for anything but their best. So you have to bring love and accountability to it, which mm -hmm. is a key part of my, my model of leadership and team building where you love each other, but then you practice accountability. What's the standard? And then people have to rise up to meet the standard. So I always tell leaders, meet with your team, talk about the standards, talk about the expectations, talk about the goal of being a positive, united, connected team, and then talk about when you don't see it. Talk about when there's division. Talk about when you see someone who is being an energy vampire, sabotaging the team, bring them into your office. Shout praise, whisper criticism, but definitely address it. All right, man, you're on fire now. I love that shout praise. And you, I love also the emphasis and, you know, you know, you read things and you go, oh yeah, that's what I've always thought. But, but the sentence is so powerful. N the no complaining rule. I mean, everybody, when they read that or hear that, they go, they think of about seven people. We hardly ever, ever think of ourselves. Have you noticed that? But we always think of several others. Yeah, totally. And I used to be a professional complainer. I know that for sure. So I actually practiced it on myself first, the rule, not allowed to complain unless you come with a solution. And then that solution is to make things better and to make the team better and be a catalyst for new ideas, innovations, and growth. So it's okay to complain, but do so in a way that is leading to new ideas and, and better ways and solutions. If you do that, then the complaining is a good thing. If it's just mindless complaining, it's toxic. It's like throwing up. Afterwards, you feel better, but then everyone around you feels sick. Bravo. Consistency. Uh, and yet in the midst of talking about consistency, you talk about how complacency is a disease. It's contagious. And so those kind of really one is the goal and the other one is probably the major bearer. Yeah, complacency, complacency will keep you from building a great culture. It will keep you from excellence. But consistency is what builds culture. So consistency creates culture. The more you're consistent, that's what actually creates your culture day in and day out. Consistency of values and habits and behaviors and what we do every single day. And consistency of character is what creates trust. You say the most important thing a coach can do or any leader of an organization can do is what? Communicate. Communicate. I found it interesting that, you know, you're dealing with a lot of character related issues as you go down this uh, assessment of where we are with teams. But then you come right back to the most important thing a coach can do is to communicate. Yeah. And of course, understanding what that word means is probably key to all that. But, uh, yeah, communication builds trust. And what is communication all about? The etymology of communication, same etymology as communion, commune, community. So you're here to communicate, to connect, and to bring people together, join with. And so the goal of communication is to build connection, to build your team, to build relationship, which leads to a great team. What's the temperature today? That's the number one question, no doubt, right? Yep, that's what Mike Smith would ask his players when he was a coach. What's the temperature? And he would, and also his his uh, 
his different thermostats around the room, his different temperature takers were like uh, training guys, equipment guys who were always checking out the players and getting a pulse and a vibe of what was going on, what mm. they were going through. And he was actually getting the pulse and seeing if he had to address issues that needed to be addressed. It was a great way to lead by walking around and leading by observing. Connect outside the locker room is one of you, one of the keys you say to be able to connect in the locker room. Yes. Got to have informal relationships and informal relationships are what build the trust and the real relationships that allow you to succeed in the locker room. You got to be, you got to be friends. You got to care about each other. I love the kind of the definition of fellowships. It's two fellows in the same ship and yep. speaking of fellowship, every good fellowship has to come to an end. Dr. Gordon, John, I call you Dr. John because uh, I always feel like I'm getting an antidote for something. John, I'm just so grateful for you. I wish I, to trust this book, One Truth, will be, continue to be the tremendous success it is. And I just am grateful for your consistency. Thank you, Dr. J. I'm no doctor, but but my goal is to help people heal. So from the ultimate healer. So I appreciate you, Dr. J. And thanks for all the amazing work you do. Thanks so much. And thank you for listening to There's Always a Way with Dr. J. Strack. If you enjoyed today's episode, share it with a friend by taking a screenshot and posting it to your story or tagging us on Instagram or Twitter at the letter J. Strack 007. If you haven't yet, We'd love for you to rate and review the podcast. Because of you, others are able to be encouraged and equipped by these incredible episodes.